Good morning, Centerway Church. My name is Meredith. My husband, Claude, and I are the lead pastors here. And we just want to say we are so glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, we know that there are many of you that already watch us online, but this is our first live experience. We tested this out last week with our lead team and had a great time. And so we're really excited to bring this to you today. More on that in a moment. Um, we have a very special uh, message today just for our kids. We did last week and we'll continue to do that in the weeks to come. You can find that on the homepage of our website or if you want to go directly to the messages page, you can find that for your kiddos right there. Um, I'm going to talk through some logistical things. I'll just try to get th through this quickly. If you'd like to receive emails or mailings from us uh, related to the updates of this season, uh, we have some really cool things to mail you specifically. You can uh, give us your information. There's an online form. You could also email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Um, as always, we have a lot of resources available to you throughout the week. There's our Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. Uh, you can give online. There are wallpapers of the application question to download. You can uh, follow our Spotify series playlist and hear all the music that we're doing uh, throughout the series. You can engage on social media and we have some new resources to roll out this week that we're really excited about. Probably the easiest way to get to all that is just the homepage of our website and it'll direct you. Um, you can also go directly to the messages uh, pages from a majority of those as well. I'm going to talk through really quickly what to expect today. Uh, when I'm done talking here in a moment, Eric's going to be reading our scripture, our text for today. Then Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll wrap up with a worship response as usual. Uh, so we're excited about that. If you are watching live today, uh, here are some things to note. If you're watching us at a later time, sorry, you'll just have to bear with me for a moment. Um, but being that this is our first experience, I want you to know there are some helpful tabs. Uh, there are ways to connect to previous messages, there's ways to give, connect to next steps, um, and there's also what they call on their site a communication card or what we would typically call an info card. And that's another way that you can give us your information if you would like. Um, while we are on live, you can chat on the feed, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, if that happens to get distracting to you, you can uh, click over to the Bible uh, feed and you can follow along with the Bible, the scriptures that we're talking about today or talking through today. And um, also you can send us a private message uh, to one of our hosts that's hosting today for any prayer requests that you might have or any questions. So we're really excited about that. Um, we're going to get started here in just a minute. That was pretty quick and painless, hopefully. Um, but just to wrap up, we want to remind you, church, that um, we're not doing church here. Uh, we're called to be the church. And so that's something that you can do uh, right in that sphere of influence in which God has placed you. And so we want to encourage you to continue to be farsighted. That's the title of our series if you're new here. Uh, be farsighted. And uh, God is at work in unique ways in this season. And we're excited to be part of that. We continue to pray for you as a team and that God would just give you creative ways to be the church uh, while we're apart. And so um, we remain excited about this season. We still believe we get to do this. And in this case, we just get to do this online. So Eric is gonna read the scripture for us now. Good morning, my name is Eric. I'm part of the team here at Centerway and I'm coming from beautiful Victor, New York. Uh, the scripture this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. 
It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Eric. And uh, just want to introduce myself. My name is Claude. I'm the lead pastor here at Centerway, me and my wife, Meredith. And uh, we're wrapping up a series called Farsighted. And this morning's message is entitled Perspective. So Farsighted Perspective. Growing up, I was not a rebellious kid, or at least I wouldn't consider myself a rebellious kid. Maybe there are those in my life that thought otherwise. But one time in particular, I remember I was on a, a camp out, which I did from time to time. There was an organization uh, similar to Boy Scouts, but slightly different. And uh, we were on a, a camp out, and there was um, a leader that was in charge, and he was kind of an aggressive person. Uh, I think he met well, uh, but he liked to have uh, kids kind of be the brunt of his joke. And I remember one time in particular, uh, he said, hey, Claude, try this. And uh, he handed me a bowl of food that had been cooked over the fire. And he said, take a bite. And he was looking around at everyone and everyone's looking at me. And I'm thinking, uh, I'm not going to eat that. You know, that moment where it seems like the entire world is staring at you and you're like, hang on, I'm not going to be the brunt of this joke. And so I was like, I'm not eating that. And he goes, oh, yes, you are. I told you to eat it. And I was like, what's going on right now? And so he kind of powers up and he's like, I told you to do something, now eat it. And he hands me the bowl. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm not going to be the brunt of his joke. I don't know if this is poison. Like, you know, your mind just starts going everywhere, especially as a young kid. And so I'm looking at this bowl and I'm looking around at the faces of everyone else. And I said, with all due respect, I am not eating what's in that bowl. And so he looks at me and goes, you need to respect your elders. <laughs> I was like, what respect my elders? What are we like little house in the prairie right now? What are you talking about? Like no one speaks that way. And so I'm looking at him and I feel this tension of like, is he going to like tell my dad I disobeyed? Is this going to be like a thing? And so I kind of have all this stress inside me kind of bubbling up. And at the end of the day, in that moment, I'm just like, I don't trust this guy. There's no way I'm going to eat that. And I said, listen, you can get me in trouble. I don't know what the consequences will be, but there's no way I'm eating that. And so he looks around at everybody else and he goes, this right here is what it looks like to be a rebellious kid. I was like, wow, this is a healthy environment. I want to invite friends here. Thanks, buddy. And I didn't care, quite honestly. I was a little bit embarrassed, but I thought, I'm not eating that. Later on, I find out that, in fact, it was carp that they had caught in the river the day before. And he cooked up and he thought it would be funny to make someone eat. I'm glad I didn't eat it. I know why here in some countries it's a delicacy, but... Yay for them, I'm not eating any stinking carp, unless things get really bad around here <laughs> really soon. I, I say that story this morning to ask you a question. Why do we rebel? Why do we rebel? What is it really at our core that causes us to rebel in moments that we would otherwise maybe not? I think the answer is rather simple and yet profound because of the far-reaching implications 
of that answer. More often than not, we obey a directive because of positional authority, right? Someone's in charge and we do what it is they tell us. But as humans, we know that authority and our willingness to submit to it has limitations, right? We'll only submit to authority to a certain point. We either know this because of our unwillingness to listen or submit to someone that has a position of authority over us, or because we ourselves have attempted at some point to impose authority on someone else only to discover that the result was rebellion. They decided not to listen to our directive. So why do we rebel? I want to submit to you that it's because we lack relationship. We rebel because we lack relationship. It's simple and yet profound. Do we trust the person giving the directive? That's the root of the issue this morning. In the same vein, as people rebel from our directives, it's revealing the shallowness of our relationship. That's sobering, right? To think that that people are maybe not listening to us because our position of authority doesn't carry maybe enough consequences or they're willing to walk in those consequences and at the end of the day, our relationship is just too shallow to cause them to trust us in that moment. You see, what stops us from rebelling with positional authority is fear of the consequences that will come. What stops us from rebelling with relational authority is that we trust the other person and their perspective. That's why we don't rebel. There's a leadership lesson here. Because we award trust to others based on believing that they are for us and not against us. At the end of the day, do we believe this person is for us and not against us? If so, we trust. If not, we consider rebel. So, if coworkers a spouse, a friend, or a child, rebels from our directive, it's revealing the depth of our relationship. Submission is an outflow of being loved. Think about that for a second. Submission sometimes has negative connotations in our society, but submission, the willingness to submit to another person and their directive is an outflow of being loved. Listen, people's willingness to trust you is in direct correlation to how much they know you love them. It's simple and yet profound, like I said. As much as this is applicable in our day-to-day, it also reveals how it is that we interact with God especially in difficult circumstances. In the pain and discomfort, do we know he loves us? Do we understand that he's for us and not against us? At the core of who we are, do we trust that? Or do we rebel and look for comfort in lesser things? The original readers of of Hebrews were being persecuted and mistreated as Jewish converts to Christianity. So in a very real way, they were confronted with the decision to either trust or rebel? Will they return to the comfort of their known and and kind of proven comfortable lives? Verse 4, where we pick up this morning, says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Struggle. 
in your struggle against sin. And in the pericope, the pericope prior, the, the section of thought that we unpacked last week, it kind of equates the idea of sin as something that clings to you as like heavy weighted clothing. And now the author shifts the description a little bit to, to describe it as, as something that is a struggle. And what's interesting is this word struggle in the Greek is used to explain actually a wrestling match against an opponent. So now all of a sudden we have this imagery of sin actually being something that we wrestle with, that we struggle with. It's an opponent. And it's interesting because the author says, in your struggle against sin. In your struggle against sin. Not if you struggle with sin. It's a done deal because you struggle with sin. As you are struggling with sin, have perspective. They, like us, clearly lacked perspective. So the author provides them. They had experiences, some hostility on some level, but uh, they hadn't had to lay down their lives yet. That's what the author says. Have you had to lay down your life for this situation, for the circumstances? Has it gone that far? And I want to draw your attention to something subtle that's kind of happening in the text here. The author says this, in your struggle against sin that will happen, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You have not yet. It's interesting. You have not yet because the author is saying, it's going to come to that. It will at some point cost you bloodshed. It's possible that it may cost you your life. Listen, we can't find our hope and our sense of comfort in our circumstances in our current situation, because that's nearsighted. And right now, in these days, as this recording is taking place, or as this is being broadcasted, the reality is we're face-to-face with discomfort. The entire world as we know it is face-to-face with the reality of, will I trust God right now? Can, can I be farsighted in the midst of this, or am I so nearsighted that I'm, I'm gripped with fear? Because Just because something is difficult doesn't mean God is absent. Say that one more time. Just because something is difficult doesn't mean that God is absent. Verse 4 goes on in, in 5 and 6 and it says this, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And then there's quotations and we'll get to why. It says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. The verse starts with forgotten. Have you forgotten? The reason why it says have you forgotten is because these are Jewish converts. So remember the context here. They know the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, and this is a quotation from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. So now this passage in context, just so we can kind of understand, is Solomon warning his son to not make light of the Lord's discipline because it's actually a sign of sonship. In fact, the language used here indicates that we ought to rejoice in the Lord's discipline. Now, in our modern context with our modern ears, as we hear this. It sounds counterintuitive, to say the least. 
Why would we rejoice in discipline? Oh, you're disciplining me? Yay, that's so fun. Thank you, Jesus. Spank me again. Like, if we're thinking in that context, it's a huge miss. There are two things to realize about their society that's super important. First, who disciplines? Who has a right to discipline? Secondly, what is discipline actually? First, in their society, who has a right to speak into their life, no matter how old or how young they are? There's two people, their mother and their father. And yet in their society, there was one other that was a choice made by them. It was a rabbi. So a mother and a father, regardless of how old they were, had to be respected and they had to be heard. And the rabbi was someone that they submitted to. So these are the people that could discipline them, that have a right to discipline their lives. Secondly, what does the author mean by discipline? The word does not always mean punishment. So it's not about spanking. And by the way, my wife loves that this is live. She's literally having a visual reaction to me talking about Jesus spanking us. <laughs> that is not what is meant in this text. She's horrified by that. And I know you're laughing where you are, especially if you know my wife. What does the author mean by discipline? Does not always mean punishment or correction. The Greek word used here means also teaching, training, learning, and education. So it's interesting. We have to broaden our perspective of what we think about when we think of the word discipline. So the author is not saying that God will punish you and that the evidence is that bad things happen so you should just rejoice in the pain and the, and the heartache and the difficulty because after all, hey, Jesus is for you. Buck up, little guy. That's not what the text is saying at all. Scripture is telling us that in every situation, God is present and at work, sometimes correcting, sometimes teaching. Because get this, in that culture, the people you disciplined were known as your disciples. You see, the words are connected. Discipline and disciple. So God loves us enough to disciple us as we learn to follow Jesus. It's a different perspective, right? So in the difficulty, you can rebel against God and show the shallowness of your relationship. Or you can humble yourself and trust that he loves you. And although you don't understand how this works out or why it's all happening, you know that he is active in redeeming it. He's redeeming your situation for his glory and your joy. It gets better than that, though. It goes on in verses 7 through 9. It says, it's for the discipline, sorry, it's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For you are... For it, sorry, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Hmm. You might wonder why in verse 8 it, it says that if you're without discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Is the, uh, is the author uh, a little bit confused? Why, why not write, if you are not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and not children? 
Why the focus on sons? Is it because the author is sexist? <laughs> no, no. In fact, the idea of sonship is being awarded to all believers. You see, in that culture, not just sons, but legitimate sons could be heirs, could be heirs to the father's fortune and belongings with full authoritative rights of the father over the entire household. So in a then sexist society, the author is actually elevating female believers and saying, listen, you are being elevated to sonship. You're being elevated to sonship. You are allowed to be legitimate heirs with full authority. All believers have the ability to walk in the fullness of authority as a co-heir. Do you see what's happening here? We're loved beyond what we deserve. We're loved to a capacity that, quite honestly, we often can't comprehend. Because Jesus, in the midst of hostility and in actual bloodshed that would ultimately lead to him, in fact, laying down his life. He's wrestling with sin and never succumbing to it. Not succumbing to the temptation. Jesus does what it is that we cannot do and pays the price that we deserve. He chose not to rebel, but instead to remain obedient to the Father's will. And he willingly lays down his life for you and for me so that we can be children, legitimate sons of the living God, co-heirs with Christ. This is good news. Get perspective and hold your thoughts captive. Allow it to be the sift that all of your fear and all of your under, uh, misunderstanding and all of your confusion, put it through the sift of, but God is for me. He's for me. He's not against me. I don't understand what's at work here, but he's paid a price on my behalf and I'm a child of the living God with full authority. And so I'm going to put all of the pain, all of the confusion, all of the frustration, I'm going to put it through the reality that I'm loved. I'm going to trust. I'm going to be farsighted in the midst of these circumstances. Listen, if you don't trust God in the difficulty and in the scary seasons of your life, it's because you don't know him. If you're being shaken at your core, void of hope, then it's revealing the shallowness of the relationship that you have with God. Because his deep, deep love for you should be evident and obvious as you just turn your eyes towards him. That's not an ending. I'm not here to, to tell you so. You know, if you're really scared and really shaken, then your relationship with God is shallow. God bless. <laughs> That's not the ending. In fact, the awareness is the beginning. It's all in how you respond today. As all of a sudden the light goes on, it's like, wait a second, do I trust the Lord? Do I really, really trust him? Do I believe that he's for me and not against me? Because verse 11 wraps up this section that we're covering this morning and it says this, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those that have been trained by it. have been trained by it. How are we trained? The, this original word in, in Greek is actually where we get the word gymnasium from. So it's talking about effort and discipline. That we will 
put forth effort and discipline ourselves as disciples of Jesus, that we will lean in, that that is the mark of a disciple of Jesus, is one that's willing to hold thoughts captive, to wrestle with the sin of our lives, that in the midst of the brokenness and the unknown and the confusing and the scary, to lean in and say, but God, you're for me and you're not against me. I don't understand the why or the how, but I know you're active and you're redeeming. Would you teach me whatever it is that I need to learn? Will you expand my heart and my mind? Will you push in to Jesus during this season? Or will you rebel? Are you training your heart and mind? Are you increasing your proximity to Jesus or are you busy with your new normal? It's amazing how quickly that happens. It's like our lives are a snow globe and then all of a sudden as it starts to settle, it's like, okay, well, this is our new normal. We wake up in the morning and we just watch Netflix all day long until we fall asleep. If that's you, I'm envious. (laughs) Not really, because ultimately that leads to isolation and depression on levels that we don't have time for. But I realize we all have a new normal. For some, it looks like, hey, now we're homeschooling our children. That's us. For others, it means ridiculous work hours where you've been determined as, as an essential person and now all of a sudden your life is consumed with work like you never thought before. But we're still all in the same space. We're all in a season of new normal, new normal. In the midst of the new normal, have you fallen victim to the now, to the nearsighted, to the right here, to what it is that you see, gripped by fear, gripped by the unknown, gripped by the pressures and stresses and all the things that are very real and that I'm not minimizing? Or are you farsighted? You're lifting up your eyes and say, God, give me your perspective. We say every week here at CenterWave that The text requires something of us. And whether we're live online or in person, the same is true. It's not enough to just check a box and say, there, I I did church. I I leaned into an online uh, viewing of it. Done. No. What does the text require from you? This morning, I want to challenge you with this question. The question is this. How will I submit to what the Lord is convicting me of this week? How will I submit? to what the Lord is convicting me of this week. For some of you this morning, your application looks like laying down your life. Just saying, Lord, I've lived for myself for way too long and in the midst of this new normal, I'm realizing that I'm shaken to my core and that I haven't allowed you to be the Lord and leader of my life. And for you, you can simply pray a prayer right where you're at. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you paid the price for my sin. You laid down your life for me. Father, would you forgive me and be the Lord and leader of my life? That's the beginning. That's the beginning of a relationship. If that's you this morning and you've prayed that prayer, we'd love to know it so we could just reach out and connect, not in person, but over the the internet in order to connect with you and what your next steps could be. But for some of you this morning, maybe that's your application. Done living for self. I'm convicted. Something needs to change. For others of us, As we consider what it is that the Lord is convicting us of, maybe we're caught up in the moment. Maybe we've crossed that line of salvation and we declare Jesus to be the Lord and leader of our lives, but we're we're just caught up in the right now. And the Lord's convicting us because we're functioning maybe out of fear, maybe functioning uh, out of self-preservation, out of all the things that that are contradictory to the gospel. 
So for you this morning, maybe it looks like focusing on Jesus. Maybe your application is to say, okay, when, when my emotions and my humanity start to get the best of me and I, I begin to rebel against the concept that God is for me and not against me, that I'll just take time right there to say, okay, God, would you reorient my, my heart, my mind? I don't pretend to know what your application is, but I know the text requires something for every one of us. Maybe this morning you've crossed the line of faith and you say, listen, I hold every thought captive. I'm leaning in in this season like never before. For you, I want to challenge you. What is the next step? Are you living missionally? Maybe that means reaching out to, to someone that, that doesn't have the ability to, to go and get groceries for themselves and you find a way to do that in a clean, sanitary, safe way. Maybe it looks like sharing this link or the link of, of someone else's message that's Bible preaching and gospel-centered I don't pretend to know, like I said, but to simply say, oh, that's a good reminder, is to miss entirely what it looks like to encounter the truth of God's word. It requires something of us. So I want to challenge you to to lean in this morning, to consider what it looks like, to take next steps. We have the opportunity for for you to look up on your screen and you'll see there's next step tab. There's opportunity for you to just consider what it looks like to continue to grow in your faith and to increase your proximity to Christ. If you'd like to to receive our daily devotionals, we send them out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can send us an email at connect at centerwaychurch.com or you can navigate the Next Steps page where you can sign up for that. You'll see a lot of options there. But right now, I'd like to to close us in prayer. And before I do, I just want to give you a heads up that following me, there's going to be someone walking you through how it is that we can respond through worship this morning uh, in the quietness of your own home and in your own space. And so just bear with us and I'll, I'll wrap up in prayer and then you'll hear from them in a moment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can declare with confidence that you are for us and not against us, that we have the opportunity and potential to be sons and co heirs with Jesus Christ, Lord, that we have the full authority of you and your grace and your mercy is evident in and through our lives. And so we submit to that. We pray that you would give us a hope and a joy in the midst of this season that we would be uh, an outflow of your grace and mercy to those in desperate need of it, whether it be in some online way through texting, social media, or even a phone call. Father, would we be your hands and feet, Lord? Would you inspire us with God ideas that we could live on mission with you? We thank you for your presence. We thank you for who you are and what it is that you're doing because we know you're actively redeeming across this world right now, even as we speak. In your name we pray, amen. Just wrapped up uh, the Farsighted series. We're about to launch uh, another series next week. You're not gonna wanna miss it and stay tuned because you're about to hear from somebody concerning worship response. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks, Claude. In the coming weeks, we want to provide opportunity to worship together, but for today, we want to encourage you to head over to the Spotify playlist and sing along there. If you're new to Centerway, this is what we do. We hear the word and then we respond through song, and that allows the songs that we sing to truly be a worshipful response to the word that we just heard. In fact, the music team works closely with the preaching teaching team. They provide us with the text and application questions for an entire series. And then that allows us uh, to choose songs that literally give voice to the things you just heard. 
This week's application question is how will I submit to what the Lord is convicting me of this week? And so sort of the why behind the set this week is that we want to lead off with Lord, I need you, knowing that it's important to acknowledge God's great love for us, but also our deep need for him. And then we move on to remembrance, which this song is so important in a, um, a time like this to say, okay, God, I'm going to put the promises uh, that you have for me and, and the sacrifice that you made for me ahead of the lies that I might start to believe in a time where I'm being corrected um, or convicted. And so uh, we love that song for that reason. And then we close with uh, Good, Good Father. And none of us have had a perfect earthly example of what discipline looks like, but these songs, and this song in particular, allows us to sort of retrain our brain and our heart. Uh, to know what a good and perfect father looks like and to know that God in his goodness is perfect in all of his ways towards us. And that gives us confidence that we are deeply, deeply loved and allows us to better submit um, to what he's convicting us of and what he's teaching us. And so would you just take a few moments now to go over, to sing along, to worship right where you're at and to worship in the days to come to these songs. Uh, we think it's gonna be great and we're gonna go do that right now as well. Can't wait to see you next week.